Hi there, Gary Turner, the host of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, today I'm going to bring you a conversation between myself and Deborah Rue. Um, Deborah kindly joined me as part of the Have Courage Summit earlier in 2019, and she's the founder of Rue Global Impact. She's the author of an incredible book called Inclusion Branding. I've learned so much from Deborah this year around a topic area that was completely out of my consciousness levels around the importance of disability inclusion. Um, she's a keynote speaker, proud mother um, to Sarah Rue, who herself has Down syndrome. And she's Deborah's just this absolute gift of light and energy. And I just absolutely am so grateful that she joined me previously. Um, three of my key takeaways from this conversation were looking behind one's label and one's title. So, so important. I also love this point. She spoke about the fact that we need to celebrate who we are. And the other major takeaway for me was be a creator and not just consumer of content. So that's three of the key takeaways that I took from the conversation with Deborah. There's so many more within this really rich conversation. So please do connect with Deborah, follow her on social media. You can find all of her contact details within the show notes of this podcast. And equally, you'll also find within the show notes a link to the free Have Courage ebook, which contains all 23 of the embedded interviews that made up this summit, as well as these key takeaways. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, I hope you, that something resonates. And if it does, both Deborah and I would be greatly appreciated if you shared that. And until the next conversation, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Have Courage Summit. This is a summit dedicated to help you get out of your own way and to unleash that inner potential that sits within you. Today, I'm so grateful to welcome Deborah Rue from Rue Global Communications to the show. Hello there, Deborah. Hey, Gary. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for inviting me to the show. Not at all. Thank you for joining me. And just for those that are watching us today, so you're quite an inspiration to me. Um, someone that has recently come into my network, thankfully. Someone that's a huge social media influencer, I believe, with over 300,000 followers across different mediums. Um, but more importantly, and for anyone that's watching this discussion, uh, Deborah's written a book called Inclusion Branding, which for anyone that's a, in marketing or just in the inclusion space, it's a real, real, real riveting read, and I cannot recommend it enough. So... Thank you very much for joining me, Deborah. And uh, would you mind invite, uh, introducing yourselves a bit more to the guests? That would be great. Yes, and Gary, thank you for having me on the show. I, I loved the topic. So when you reached out to me, I'm like, I'm in, I'm game. And I think a lot of people are really struggling of finding where they belong and where they fit in this, should I say, maybe new world we're in. So, but my name is Deborah Rue, as you said, and I, um, I, I'm the CEO of Rue Global Communications. And Rue Global Communications... We are market influencers, brand ambassadors, and strategists for um, multinational corporations. We're blessed to work with United Nations agencies and governments, and we work with them to help make sure they're fully including people with disabilities in the workforce, um, as customers, and every aspect of society. So we, we do a lot of work with the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities and the national laws all over the world like the Equality Act in the UK and the Americans with Disabilities Act in the United States. And I have a daughter and a son, and my daughter, um, who is 31, was born with Down syndrome. So she was the she was and is the catalyst for my work. And and I was telling you before we went on air, my my wonderful husband of 30 now 39 years it'll be this year um he was diagnosed about a year and a half ago with dementia which is a, a scary word and he had a traumatic brain injury when he was a child 
And when you have a really bad traumatic brain injury, our, our brains just age differently. So we are surrounded by what does it mean to be truly human? And I also have a show of my own called Human Potential at Work, which explores those topics. And then um, I'm the host of Access Chat, A-X-S Chat, one of the largest tweet chats in the world where we're talking about these very interesting topics. What does it mean to be human? That's amazing. Thank you so much for that, that, that detailed introduction. I've actually contributed a number of times myself to, uh, to AXS chat as well. It is, it is a great discussion. What was, you know, you spoke about your daughter and I've, I've, I've seen some fantastic work that you've been doing with brands like Tommy Hilfiger and Project yes. Runway. And there's some other amazing work that, that's going on right now. What, what's your vision in terms of courage? If you were looking, if anyone's watching us talk right now and we're talking about, you know, being more inclusive um, generally as society or in the world of work, what would your desire be over the next two to three years? You know, what would that future look like if people were stepping into that courage um, around the inclusion agenda? And, and I, I, love, I love the way you say it, the courage around the inclusion agenda, because uh, yesterday I tweeted something and um, I, I thought it was a beautiful story. I was so excited about it. It was American Airlines has hired a flight attendant that has Down syndrome and the the picture of the young lady. Um, she had the, a smile that lit up my world. She was just beautiful, African-American, just, she was just gorgeous woman. And, um, and so I posted, I'm all excited about it. And somebody came back and said, Deborah, you know, this is clickbait. And I'm like, what, what do you mean it's clickbait? So I went back and I, I, instead of just being mesmerized by this beautiful girl's picture, um, I actually, you know, read the article and it was just one day, one day they let her, you know, they, they put, she, she put on the uniform and she did it and she worked with it. And that's a beautiful story. But I look forward to a day when that's not really a big deal. If a person that had Down syndrome um, and Down syndrome, like anything else is a spectrum. There are people that are on all different levels of that. And so people with Down syndrome on the higher end of the spectrum absolutely could do a job like a flight attendant, even though I understand that's a very stressful job. They're, they're running around. They're trying to calm passengers. There's so many factors. But I look forward to a day when we won't not include somebody in society or in a workforce because, because they have the wrong color skin, because they have some disability that society doesn't really understand. They take your pick of why we are not including people. But I look forward to a time when people are part of the workforce because they're contributing. And they're contributing in their own ways. And there is certainly a lot of value we know as society by having a diverse workforce, for example. And I'll give you a real quick story that I talk about in my book, but I just love the story when I, I interviewed a woman named Sandy from Amazon, formerly with IBM, um, Sandy Carter, and she was talking about um, when the designers um, create, they wanted to give Barbie some artificial intelligence. And so they wanted to teach Barbie to respond to, the, the, it was geared towards little girls, um, even though I understand boys play with Barbies too, but the, this particular exercise was geared towards little girls. And so they had a team that programmed Barbie so she would answer questions about employment you know, career options. And so the little girl um, would say, you know, I'm thinking about being a computer scientist, which I love that comment. And Barbie would say, have you thought about the fashion industry? 
And so needless to say, when women got hold of this, they were furious at Mattel. And then we took a look at who was the group of programmers that programmed uh, Barbie. And it was a small group of males that were Caucasian. So it's like, what would have happened when they were doing this project if they had added some diversity? Say that they'd add a woman, for example, since we, you know, it was geared towards us, or even better, a woman with disabilities or a woman of color with disabilities. Think of the innovation that would have gone into those conversations. And so I think that is where, um, I, I think that's where the world is headed. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. One of the statistics in your book, actually, which really blew me away was where you spoke about that actually one in seven people on the planet has some form of disability. And I think that is a huge missed opportunity right now for us to lean in and engage with that, that population, isn't it, currently? Yes, I agree. And do you know, Gary, that since then, because I, I published the book um, in the middle of last year, in 2018, and the CDC... Um, in the United States has come out, um, and I'm, I do know what that stands for, CDC, uh, disease, uh, and so I'm going to completely forget it, but it's a, it's a really big, important health agency, um, uh, and, and now I'm getting stuck. I'll tell my age I forget what the CDC is. I'll come back to that when, when my brain's working right, but um, one in four Americans identify as having a disability, one in four according to our, um, our CDC. Um, communicative disease in diseases um, uh, but and then we're seeing in Canada one in five and in the UK we're hearing one in five and so according to the World Health Organization one in seven we we estimate one in seven people have a disability but there are other countries that are really digging into the data that's saying no 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 we think it's going to be a lot higher than that so if that's the case one in four people in the United States, one in five in Canada. I mean, how do we ignore those numbers? These are maybe being a human being means, you know, sometimes we have disabilities. Yeah, wonderful. So in terms of what gets in the way in sort of the spirit of this summit, what do you think from your side stops people maybe leaning in or designing intentionally the workplace around a wider demographic of people on an inclusive basis, such, such as those with disabilities? What, what do you feel gets in the way of that today? I, I think it's, you know what, I was going to say fear, but I, I think it is still misinformation. I think we still don't, there's so much we don't know about this topic. And I know before we, we started on air, we were talking a little, about, a little bit about diversity. And I have been in this field since 2000. And before that, I was in the banking industry. And um, I noticed that when I came into this field and we were talking about accessibility and inclusion and the disability community was actually looking at what the LGBT community was trying to achieve and, and have actually achieved a lot, still have a long way to go. But as a community, we were looking at that community thinking, what can we learn from them? If our numbers are as big as we know and we're not mm -hmm. speaking together, you know, where's the missed opportunities? And so I find that I look at this from a global lens, but I do live in the United States. And so um, in the United States, we're very concerned about diversity. And it's gotten so diluted almost that there are very few people that aren't part of a diverse group. So you, uh, you have my son who's 30 years old. He's a white male. He doesn't have a disability. He's, he's not gay. He, he isn't going to fall into the, the natural diversity diversity groups. And so 
is he now he's the only one that's not in the group so i think we're having the wrong conversations i think that that's one reason why i was really excited about the show series that you're doing because how do you have the courage to do something and do you have the courage to do things differently than the way they've been done in the past do you have the courage to to really speak your convictions even though you might really make somebody mad you know we've got that certainly on social media uh, people will come back at you um, and they'll get pretty uh, ugly with you on social media. Do, what do you do? And, and what I do when a situation like that happens, I always seek to understand where are you coming from? Are you just in a really bad mood all the time and you're a negative account or trolling? Or, or are you telling me something like the, the gentleman yesterday that said I'd done clickbait? And I'm thinking, well, no, I didn't. Well, he actually was right. It is a little, it was the, um, the title was misleading. Mm -hmm. Um, and I get why they did it, but so I think having the courage to, um, really speak our convictions and being willing to step out of the box to say, well, wait a minute, have we gone too far one way now when we're trying to support people that are disenfranchised and is it time to, you know, look at the questions in a different way? Mm, wonderful. What, what, in terms of the work that you do and how you help organizations and businesses, what, what, what sort of steps are you able to support individuals and organizations with on that journey, Deborah, out of interest? What, what, can you give a couple of ideas? Yeah, I, I, we're, we're so blessed to be able to work with um, United Nations agencies like the International Labor Organization. And they have a group called the Global Business Disability Network. And they came to me a few years ago and they said, Deborah, we've got this group of multinational corporations, but only two of them are U.S. based. And we really want to make sure the U.S. conversations, because quite a lot of money is being spent on inclusion in the United States, accessibility lawsuits, you know, that's a whole nother topic. But, um, and so I helped guide the US, many of the US brands to join some of the global conversations. But I work with multinational corporations like, you know, uh, I've, I've worked with many, many of these amazing corporations. And I work with them like Verizon, for example, is one of my customers, very large telecommunications company in the United States. And I worked with them to make sure they understood how to speak to their customers, how to engage with their customers. So if you are, if you have a website, you want me to pay all my bills online and you want me to go to my Verizon. And I also happen to be one of their customers. Um, all of these things that you're providing to us as customers, they need to be accessible to all of us. Whether I'm a person with a disability that can't use my hands or I can't hear or I can't see or, or whatever, um, or I'm multitasking or I'm in a noisy environment. So I work with these multinational corporations to understand how to include people with disabilities in a way that speaks to the community. For example, many in the community have said, you know, we are so much more than just this one disability. So will you please consider me as a human being first? And next, my husband doesn't want you to think of him only as a person with dementia. I mean, my husband is creative. He's a musician. He's, he, he's an amazing man. He also happens to have this interesting, you know, uh, you know, diagnosis, I don't even want to call it a disease because there's so much we're learning about dementia and Alzheimer's, but he doesn't want to be, you know, discredited. He's no longer human now because he has this or, 
when I would tell people my daughter was born with Down syndrome, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, what if instead you were like, well, how interesting. Wow. So her brain, it's going to be very interesting to see what she does with her life. And, and you were, we were both talking about being optimist in the beginning, but I, you know, maybe celebrating what it means to be human a little bit more. That's what we do. And there's a lot of ways for these big corporate brands to get in trouble with these communities. And these brands also don't often know how to engage on these topics in the right way. And so they, there's a lot of understanding how to speak to the community and what drives the community and how, and especially when it's a gigantic large community like we have in the disability included in community. And also as we age and we're acquiring disabilities, there's a lot of moving parts and the brands get very confused. So we sort of help guide them to have the right conversations and to create the right programs that will actually allow customers with disabilities to work with you uh, as a customer and as an employee and to re retain people that are acquiring disabilities as they live their lives working for you too. Mm, this is really powerful. I, I, was, I was involved in some hackathon experiences myself during 2018 around yes. neurodiversity. Yes. It was yes. a wonderful approach to try and bring together a whole range of different people from different organizations, different backgrounds to hack a topic such as neurodiversity. And then the, the, the ideas, Deborah, that came out around, one of them was around a neurodiverse house. So what could it look like if actually you designed a, a show home that was fully inclusive to cover every neurodiverse, different trait, background, disability, as a model of what it could look like for the rest of society. And you know, these sort of ideas, you know, it, it's, it, for me, it's within us, but it takes people to step over that threshold and say, I'm going to get involved in a conversation around a topic I don't fully understand, but I'm going to be okay with that. Right. And I'm going to learn from others because I think there's a lot that we don't know yet. We don't know what's going on with our brains. We haven't spent a lot of time focusing on the brains, but we're gonna focus on the brains now because so many people are heading to dementia and Alzheimer's and what does that mean? Does that mean end of our lives? I mean, we're done, we're, no, it doesn't. You can live a long time with these, you know, these diagnoses. And so, but I love all the smart cities and smart homes. And, and once again, as people try to find their courage, what if we had the courage to truly be who we were, we are, we are and embrace it. So I, as an individual have, I have my whole life that I can remember I've suffered with depression and suffered sometimes is the right word. I have depression at the same time has been a gift. I've learned a lot. I've learned to be more empathetic. I've, I've learned that when somebody's in a really dark place to just tell them to snap out of it, 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 you know, and so, but I also have traits um, and have been, it's been suggested by doctors that I have ADHD and I have the H, the hyper-focus part, which is great to be in business, but at the same time, it can be very stressful and very hard on me as an individual when I can't step down. So I use mindfulness and stuff, but what if we could really embrace who we truly are and who our family members are, and then say, well, that doesn't mean you're broken, Gary, because you have depression and ADHD, or you're blind, or you have dementia, or anything else. It means you're human. So it's like, you don't want to not contribute or be part of society. So what do we do with all this amazing technology we're creating, and pulling it into as we learn to be 
better human beings and to appreciate the different our differences how do we pull all those moving parts together that i think is very interesting Oh, it's, it's so inspiring because as I listen to you to talk, talk about your, your own journey, of course, part of my drive for, for setting up this summit is around, you know, having a mental health challenge myself a couple of years ago. And as a, as a white male, we, we don't talk about things like being bullied at the age of 12, 13, which I was. And right. I think whether it's, and what's really interesting for me, and I think my passion around inclusion is that even as a white male, I was excluded at that age. And I never saw it as exclusion until 12 months ago. So inclusion, whilst there is the disability, absolutely is a critical aspect of it. I think for me, there's a lot around courage of just going first, you know, having the conversation about something that maybe you have held to yourself for 20 years or having a word with your line manager about something that irritates you about them or having a chat about someone that does have, you know, bipolar disorder because you don't understand what it means for them. You know, for me, there's just something for me that courage is it can be as simple as just going first. What, what would you say to that? Would that be a, would you challenge that? Oh, I so or? agree. No, no, I so agree. And it, it was interesting when you in the first place, I think it's very interesting that you as a white male talk about your experiences, because what I'm seeing and I think this is troubling. I understand white privilege and all that stuff you know, all those conversations, I don't understand all of them, but I, you know, I, I know these, these are things to be explored, but if we don't have white males talking about their experiences, that's also a failure. So we need to let everyone be able to really express who they are. But I think about it when you talk about being bullied, because you're being bullied at a very vulnerable age, an age when you're deciding who you are, Gary. So for three years, you go through bullying, which means somebody is telling you probably in a physical way that you are not worthy. Mm -hmm. So what do you do with that? What do you do with that? as you become a man and you go on about your life, you know, and I think of when my son and daughter were in middle school, I, I was so worried that my daughter with Down syndrome was going to get bullied. Well, what's interesting is she, she didn't really get bullied, but my son, he got bullied and he, he handled it just like everybody else tries to handle it. And, and the kids with each other were vicious, but for some reason, and God bless them. They, they, my daughter was sort of off limits to the point where if you did try to bully her, the other kids would not have anything to do with that. And they would deal with it. And um, I thought that was interesting. So that shows something's happening, but wouldn't it be wonderful if we got to the point where we weren't bullying people, especially at vulnerable eight at any time, and certainly at vulnerable ages when we're trying to decide who we are going to be as adults. And when our, maybe our, hopefully our parents are saying, Gary, you're wonderful. You have so much potential, but you know, sometimes when your parents are saying that, if you're lucky enough that they're saying those things, they're your parents, of course they love you. And so you, you discredit what they're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even if, even if you had, were cause I come from a, you know, my mother had very serious mental health problems, very, very serious. And she could, couldn't say those things to me. And I knew my mother loved me, but my mother, she, she would say the opposite of those things to me and remind me that I was worthless. And so you're deciding who you are at those times, Gary. So yeah, I think we could do better with that. Yeah, absolutely. But but it's great. Like I said, I'm just grateful for you, for you to join me to talk about these topics because I think 
you know, you've been so open and, and I think this is also a testament to you and I really appreciate you for, you know, just, just speaking so openly about everything within your, your, your life. But, re but really, you know, I've had a lot of conversation on my podcast, um, Value Through Vulnerability, around things such as dialing up and dialing down vulnerability to sort yes. of have, or to be courageous, you know, do you show too much, do you not show enough? And I find it an interesting discussion because for me, if you have to think about that, it means it's not safe where you are. Because I understand why people do that, but I think there's certainly right. an area around this courageous piece, whether you're talking about disability inclusion or other areas. But if, if you're not safe, you're you're already thinking, how much of me can I show? So right. does safety show up much in terms of how you get walk people across the bridge to be more disability inclusive, for example? Oh, that's a, yeah, that's such a great, great question, and and I'll I'll apply it to my business. So <clears throat> I. You know, it's, it sounds so wonderful, and my business is thriving. It is thriving. But what's interesting is many, many, many customers, brands, they'll come to me, and they only want free advice. They just want free, 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 free. Well, I'm willing to help this community that you care about so much, Deborah, and I know I'm this gigantic brand, but just give me this advice for free. And so sometimes I get so torn by that because I deserve to make a good living at the work that I'm doing. We all deserve it. And if I was, say, um, a cybersecurity expert, and I'm interested in that topic, but say that I was a well-known cybersecurity expert um, or a privacy expert, would you come to me as a brand and ask me to do all this work for you for free? You would never think to do that. But is it because I'm a mother or a woman with the cause or, or whatever reason that you don't value my work, that it should be paid for because I'm trying to make a difference in the world? And so I think it is time for that to shift away. And if people like you, Gary, don't have the courage to stand up and say, this is who I am. Yes, I'm afraid. And yes, I worry. And all these other things, but if I'm not willing to be vulnerable and I'm not willing to have courage and be my whole self, I think the world is going to miss out on that opportunity. But it's, I just think that we often are not really um, allowing people to be their whole self for a variety of reasons, including you know, monetary reasons. Mm. Would you mind speaking to those a little bit more? What are some of those sort of topics that you, that you feel are, are maybe more common that you come across that, that do stop people being able to step into that, that fuller version of themselves? Well, I, I think we still, um, if it, from what I see, I think a lot of people are so afraid of being their authentic self because people will not like them. People will look down on them. Maybe something will get taken away from them. Maybe they'll lose their job for being too vocal about who I am as an individual. Um, I think um, we're still, you would use an example that you should talk about now where you were talking about, you know, the scabs, <laughs> you know, the healing, <laughs> only because I, I, I and it, please explain that so it makes, any, it makes some sense, but I think we're learning, I think we're, I, 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 I am an optimist, but I do believe that the human species is evolving, and sometimes we got to really go low to see what we don't want to be, to know how to, you know, embrace who we really are as human beings, and you had talked about that before we went on air, so let me give the mic back to you to address that. No, no, thank you, Deborah. Yeah, so for anyone that is, is, is viewing us, this is just around my feeling that on mass society is actually reconnecting despite some of the troubles that we see on a macroeconomic basis. It's almost like when you're, you have a tear in your skin and it's reconnecting, it's that scratchy part. It's sort of where we're at in terms of society. 
And because technology like you and I now, how do I ever have found you uh, without social right. media? You know, so there's so much good about technology. And I think it's how do we try and leverage that to reconnect en masse, particularly helping inclusion, disability inclusion, and all, all forms of inclusion. Because technology is a huge enabler. And I think where you started was powerful for me around the Mattel example with Barbie. Um, you know, with AI coming and, the, and all, all of these other fantastic sort of innovations, we really have to be sure that we're not designing bias into the system consistently. And that does mean having far more inclusive um, environments at every section of uh, society for me. And I'm wondering, how does that show up for you in some sort of te is technology part of the, do you come across techn technological advancements oh, as part yeah. of your work or, okay. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm totally into women in tech, women in STEM, mm -hmm. tech for good. I love technology. My father, who's both my parents have passed now, but my father was a technology nerd and he just, he embedded it in me. I love technology. And he, he actually was my stepfather because my real father left, blah, blah, blah. So we've all had our journeys, yeah. but I, I think technology is amazing, but I do believe that technology should be used to benefit mankind and it should be used obviously for good. And I think that there is a struggle right now with um, certain people in our societies wanting to control all of us. And this technology could be a scary way to control us. But uh, I just really do believe in the tech for good, that technology can be used for great good. And I spend a lot of time, as you know, Gary, on my social media channels talking about tech for good and how smart cities and smart homes like you were mentioning and smart offices when we make sure that everybody can be included we all can be more productive and more creative and more innovative so it I, we know as a society it adds value to the bottom line of the corporations the corporate brands also know that many Many people in different countries um, are very suspicious of large corporate brands and think they're gluttonous and they're trying to bring us all down and they're, they're very suspicious. And so these brands understand that they better be telling us what they're doing right and engaging with us because they, um, you know, we, we have more power now to to talk about what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. And there's a lot of great good being done on social media and a lot of stupid, bad, ridiculousness happening on social media as we try to flex our muscles of what it means to be humans. But I think the, the really cool thing about making technology accessible for all of us or, or in our environments accessible is that it really does benefit us all. So maybe you are not blind or maybe you, you are not deaf and you speak a different language or, or maybe you don't have mobility or whatever. But the reality is there's always time when you do have these things or situational disabilities. You know, you're in an environment where it's so loud you can't hear or you can't see because it's dark or maybe you're in a situation that for whatever reason you want to be quiet so you don't disturb others or, you know, I, there's all kind of scenarios. Um, maybe you don't speak the primary language in the country where you are or the city where you are right now. So the more we, we make these environments and these technologies accessible to all of us, mm 
the more we all benefit and we can really tap into truly our abilities and even our even our the when i don't have as strong of abilities but i'm like you said we don't know everything about neurodiversity but it's fascinating or an ai and the robotics and the driverless cars as we start to get into all of this if we're making our environments accessible to everyone and inclusive and diverse is diversity is being considered so that we all can benefit if you're building a platform or you're building a product or a tool and you're not using a diverse group of individuals to do that you kind of leave out a lot of the needs so i just think we sort of have you know an understanding that let's build things inclusively because it will benefit everybody eventually uh, well i just want to share with people seeing this chat right now as well a really live learning from it for me from reading your book was that I actually put um, I put out a, a podcast which actually shared the Microsoft CEO's um, yes. journey with his child that has cerebral palsy but what, what about, but my level of consciousness raised from your book thank you because I put out the podcast but I thought hello hang on if someone can't actually hear that podcast how can I actually try and allow at least a, a wider group to see it so I took a picture of four of the pages that I was that were relevant to that podcast and then put them out onto social media. Now I wouldn't necessarily have thought to do that without reading your book. So I just want people who are hearing this conversation to see the impact it can make just by just taking a step back and understanding a more more diverse pool. So so again, thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, with my show, Human Potential at Work, we do live captioning and it's expensive. But how can I be having these conversations and then leaving out wide uh, groups of audience that just seems like that's, you know, do I have the courage to spend the extra money to make sure that I'm walking the walk, talking the talk? And do I do the transcriptions? And by the way, when I do those things, it actually improves the SEO, the search engine optimizations of the, my podcast and my data. But I think, you know, once again, going back to the courage, do we have the courage of where we're being led, you know, by, you know, whatever our moral, uh, our internal compass is, do we have the courage to really get out there and make a difference, even if, you know, even if you're being told, and I'm told all the time that I'm doing things wrong, you know, and, and uh, I'll tell you something else. Um, while I'm being totally transparent, I've spent a lot of my own personal money on what the work that I do. And I've had financial people say, you're crazy. You, you have, you've got your rose colored glasses on and what are you thinking? And I thought, well, if I'm not willing to invest in these beliefs, how, why do I expect others? If you're not willing, Gary, to believe in your own voice and go out here and create this conference that you created, it takes courage for you to do that. You're taking a leap of faith that you do have something to contribute that will help other people so that they then can go out and contribute what they, you know, what they, their soul, their heart is telling them to contribute. Do you know something? It's such a powerful message for me. And thank you. I'm, I'm sitting here, just you're speaking literally straight to me because yeah, putting on this summit is, it's costing me money. Yes, it's, it's no small amount of money, but I believe so much that we need to be more inclusive, more courageous to reconnect to society that, like I say, some, I genuinely feel this summit is I'm being pulled to do it rather than me pushing it out. Do, do you know what right. I mean? I do know what you mean. And I do know sometimes it's really hard to, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to use a scary word for me, to be obedient. 
to those callings. Mm -hmm. But when I'm not, when I don't pay attention and I know that I'm being told, and, and I, I do spend a lot of time meditating and li listening to spiritual information and walking in nature and eating right and exercising to make sure that my brain is healthy enough to be able to hear what's being said to me. And, and I use that term in, you know, you know, metaphysical way, I guess, but sometimes we just know, and we just know what we're supposed to do. And even though it doesn't make a bit of sense to other people in society, you know, it's the right thing to do. And I find that when I do that, and that's Gary, I live my life that way now, because I had another company, Tech Access, and I grew it, grew it to a multi-million dollar business, and 80% of my team were people with disabilities. It was amazing, but when it fell, when it, it collapsed, it collapsed not because of me, but because of the financial crisis, and the bank I was with failed. Did I make mistakes along the way? Oh, yes, I did, but there were a lot of things I did with that business that I didn't really think was the right thing, but people smarter than me um, told me that it was the right thing. And many of them were male, scary. And I thought they were smarter and they knew more than I did. And I did not follow my internal gut. And I made a commitment that when I started Root Global, I would not do that. And I, I'm really blessed to say that despite it sometimes being a scary journey, I do, I, I follow my gut. And if my gut tells me don't do something, I don't do it. I, it's, you know, every time you lift your arm like this, it hurts. Okay, Deborah, stop lifting your arm like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I listen now. I listen. It takes a lot of discipline to do it, but it sounds like you're listening too, Gary. And, you know, this is, you're going to help open up other people's lives so that they can follow their passion and their purpose and their, their calling, because it is a calling. Well, do you know something? If, if, if people can be hearing this discussion, because for me, again, and, you know, the disability inclusion is a major part of our discussion. I'm sure people have seen that. But I, I enjoy how we're also pivoting to actually, again, regardless of where you sit, what group, we're talking about base humanity. Do we know who we are? And are we prepared to step out of the dark and into the light to try and make a difference bigger than ourselves? And I think this, I'm really hoping that these conversations over these 21 days will help at least a few people go, actually, maybe it is my time. I'm going to go and have a chat with Deborah or Gary because I just want to find out what they did because, right. you know, there's, there's other people are doing it. So maybe it's my time now as well. Oh, and I do I think what would happen, Gary, if you could influence all of your listeners to really make it their time. This is how we change the world. This is how we make the world inclusive to all of us. And this is how we prove that human beings, we're so smart, we're so innovative, we're so creative let's stop focusing on all the negative and all the, that other energy and let's focus on what we can do to make the world better for all of us, for that little child that was just born in India with a disability, you know, it, in, for that child that was born in the UK or the US that has autism. I, I'll have families say to me, I have three children with autism and I'll say, wow, it must be amazing sitting around the dinner table. Y'all must have the most interesting conversations. And they're always taken aback and they're like, well, we really do. But they're used to hearing what I hear. Oh, oh, really? Oh, you have a daughter with Down syndrome. Oh, your husband has dementia. Oh, how can you be? Aren't you terrified to be alive? Yes, yeah, some days. <laughs> so, but it's also fun and exciting. And you have to think differently. And for me to communicate with my beloved husband, 
I now have to stop and be quiet. And I have to go to him. I can't be careless and rush around like I used to. So it is a humanity can be a really beautiful experience and we need to help each other get there. So I applaud your effort, Gary. Oh, Deborah, I more than, more than applaud yours. And I, and I think it's a wonderful way to start to wrap up in that, that, that sense of presence, you know, how can we just stop be present and just hear each other that bit more, I think is also part of this journey for me. I agree. I agree. How can people reach out to you, Deborah? Thank you so much again for your time. How can people sort of reach out, maybe remind us of the chat again, the Twitter chat and the various mediums by which to, to contact you? Well, I have a website. It's ruhglobal.com. And I'm on, as Gary said, I'm on all, a lot of the social media mediums. And I go by my name, Deborah, D-E-B-R-A-R-U-H. But there's also ruhglobal. And um, access chat is axschat.com. And you can find out about that chat. It's on Twitter. We do it every Tuesday at 8 o'clock uh, GMT or um, my time zone, 3 p.m. in Eastern Standard Time. But it's pretty easy to connect with me. And as Gary knows, I, I try really hard to engage mm -hmm. uh, with the audience. So if somebody comes to me and asks me a question that I can answer, I try. But Deborah Roo, Roo Global, RUHglobal.com, uh, there's you know a lot of different ways to reach out. And I am trying, and I know you're doing this too, Gary, I'm trying to create content that I hope adds value, and I believe it does add value, because um, a spiritual teacher a few years ago said something that really resonated with me. Instead of always being a consumer, why don't you be a creator? And he wasn't talking just to me, but I thought he was talking just to me. I thought, oh, that's a good point. So we all do need to be creators and consumers, and we need to be supporting the creators you know, like Gary and what he's doing here. But um, so I am a creator and uh, I am a, a consumer too, because I'm a very creative person. So I am, I, I just am fascinated with being in the world, even though sometimes it's really tough, you know, hard and difficult along the way too. Oh, it's lovely. And you really have been amazing at genuinely engaging, you know, with someone with so many followers to, to, to genuinely engage is very impressive. But I'd like to give the last word, if you wouldn't mind just sharing, because it's such an inspiring story of um, Project Runway. Would you mind just giving just the, the, yes. the, uh, the viewers a bit of an overview and how your daughter played a part in that? It would be wonderful. Yes, uh, the Runway of Dreams. I, I love what they're doing. I just love what they're doing. And they, um, Mindy Shire has become a, a friend of mine. I love the work that they're doing. And her TED Talk is amazing. And um, it's Runway of Dreams, uh, uh, .org, I believe. But um, my daughter, once again, born with Down syndrome, she is... Um, like her mother, we always, in my part of the family, we struggle with our weight. But so my daughter is overweight and um, she unfortunately got sick last year, very serious. And she had an operation and she's good now. But it, part of when she got sick, she, she gained a lot of weight. And it was around the time when um, they were doing the runway of dreams. And so she got to model in New York City at the start of fashion week. She was decked out in Tommy Hilfiger, um, their adaptive clothing line, which is wonderful. And from head to toe, and she, uh, they had taught him how to go out on the runway. And of course, she's my daughter, so I'm going to brag about her. But it was interesting. A lot of them was going out there, and they were making their model expressions and stuff. My daughter walked out on the runway. She threw out her arms, and she said, I'm here. And it just was so darn cute. But um, 
and you know, she, she, it was just a really beautiful experience for her because come on, you know, she's a model on the runway wearing Tommy Hilfiger clothes head to toe. And of course, Tommy Hilfiger does a lot of American themed clothing. So she was decked out in red, white, and blue. And she, um, she really, she really inspires me, but, um, it's a wonderful thing. There's so many beautiful stories happening and I think there's so many good things happening, but a lot of people are just focusing on the negative. And I think we need to turn off those negative television shows and, you know, starting a television show where somebody got killed and then we're going to figure out why they got killed and going into the darkness and maybe focus on some of the beauty that is happening in the world, like runway of dreams and, you know, other, there's so many other beautiful examples of that all over the world that I think if we could focus more on what is happening in the world in positive ways, maybe we would be less discouraged and more willing to go out and find out what our purpose is and what we can contribute. In the moment, you've given me another thing I just want to leave with the listeners as well, is maybe something courageous, if you do nothing else today, is choose your feeds, adjust your social media feeds, maybe switch off the news a few times a week, maybe yes. just, just limit what is influencing you negatively. I think it's yes. a wonderful, wonderful thing to, to maybe think about. Yeah, good, good advice, Gary. Thank you for your work. No, and thank you as well. Look, thank you so much for joining me, and I'm really grateful we're connected. Have a great day. Yes. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Thank you, Deborah. Bye.